Welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm Suzanne Harris. You know, on my podcast, we talk to the authors not only about themselves and their books, but we also talk about their ideas, and we find out the story behind each and every book. Joining me today is someone I can't wait to introduce you to. She's just, she's wonderful, she's interesting, she's fascinating, and I love her book. Her name is Frauke Matthews, and she's here to talk about her book, How to Hold a Glue Stick and Other Clues to Parenting. Frauke, welcome. It's such a pleasure to have you today on Books on Air as my guest. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here and talk to you and see where it takes us. I know. I just think this is going to be so much fun. You know, every book has two stories that it tells. It tells the story that the author has given the reader inside that book. But always, 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 there's a story behind how the book came to be. How did you decide, and what made you decide, to write How to Hold a Glue Stick? I have been making lots of detailed observations of the children I worked with in the time that I ran my Montessori toddler group and and preschool. And I have done that for a good over 27 years with stints in between in regular child care centers and as relief teacher in primary schools. And I would always come home with stories of the children. And uh, in the end, my children by then were uh, older teenagers. My youngest son said, you've got to write these things down, Mum, these stories, because they are so good uh, to listen to. And I said, oh, yeah, I think I might do that one day. And I thought, yeah, that's all right, because I have made all these uh, detailed observations. And then one day he had a child himself and he said, Mom, you have to write down these stories before you die because (laughs) I can't ask you for advice then. And I said, okay, but I don't even know where to start. I've got so much material. Uh, I I wouldn't even know where to start or how to arrange it or what to do with it. All I can do is tell stories. I'm, I'm, I'm just a storyteller. And he said, well, what are the 10 topics that parents always come up with? because now he was a parent himself of a young ba- of a very little baby. <clears throat> and I said, oh, yeah, okay. And actually, without any hesitation and doubt at all, I wrote down those 10 topics that uh, I have arranged the chapters around. And um, I found, of course, these stories that fit the topic, and, uh, and that's how it worked out. And when I was preparing it, I thought, well, it's all words, all words. I need some breakups with some uh, illustrations. And um, because I was going to write it for my own Montessori parents, the the people who had enrolled in the preschool, uh, I just asked Amy, because all my children uh, are very good drawers and and, uh, have really artistic talents, visual artistic talents, whereas I haven't. You give me... um, plain piece of paper and you say draw a house, I probably start in the middle just drawing a house out of a square and a triangle, but how or other. <laughs> You're and my kind of artist. <laughs> <laughs> I have no visual, I have to see it. I have to see something and then I can say, yes, I like that or I don't like it. Um, 
So I asked Amiel, my youngest son, um, to it, since he was the one who came up with the idea of me having to write it down and, and really not letting go of it, uh, I said, okay, um, how about you give me some of your sketches? And I gave him a list of the topics I wanted to have a sketch about, and that is what he came up with. And um, now I had to give it a title, and <laughs> again, I couldn't. I was just uh, parenting, you know, this is for parents, how to, how, I, I don't know. I had all sorts of um, not very interesting titles. And, and then he said in exasperation, well, how to hold a glue stick. I like that story. How to hold a glue stick, because that is that is what you do. You show people how to hold a glue stick. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that sounds all right. So um, I did. I I grabbed onto that as the title and uh, the rest is history as they say I love it now the illustration the cover art I, I know before we started recording I asked you I said is there a story behind the cover art because it's just this the cutest picture and you said yes there is a story so tell me the cover art story the cover art story. Well, that is the story of a mum who was sitting at the table with her barely two-year-old child, and uh, this child was try- was holding a glue stick, just like that little child on the cover, in a stabbing grip, and she was pressing it very hard, and the glue all curled around the edges, and mum kept saying, don't press too hard, don't press too hard. Um, and the child was trying very hard to understand what she was talking about. Um, and looking up every time she said that, she was looking up um, at her mum. And to me, that was the moment that I could step in because the mum looked at me and she said, oh, she's just so pig-headed, you know, very stubborn. This is terrible too. I uh, have started now, I suppose. And I said, no, she is actually trying to understand you. That is why she stops and she looks at you, but she doesn't know what you mean. Those words have no meaning. What means press? What means hard? And what means pressing too hard? Um, And so then I said to the mother, just watch me. And I held my hand out and I touched the child's hand and I said, this is a glue stick. And then I touched my hand and I said put the glue stick in my hand and the child did just that she put the glue stick in my hand and I held the glue stick not in a stabbing grip but just between thumb and my other three fingers and I pressed it first really hard on the paper the same as she did and I said this is pressing hard and then I held it very gently and I talked very softly to her and I said this is pressing gently And then I gave it back to her and I said, I like you to press it gently. And she did exactly that. And Um, then I said to the mum, if you say what, if you um, offer something to your child in opposites and you show what you want the child to copy last, that is what she will remember and that is what she will copy. And that's why it works. I love that. The book does exactly what you just said. The book talks about in each one of the chapters, you give 
a concept or you give us an you give an idea the first chapter is paying attention and you start to talk about the kinds of things that you just mentioned the kinds of things that i think people just don't know because there's their baby doesn't come with a manual their small child doesn't come with a manual and so they've never thought about how they're saying things they think they're doing it the right way that's one yes. of the things I loved about your book, Frauke. Well, the thing is, when you become a parent, in hospital, they show you how to breastfeed, what, uh, how you need to sit up, and how you uh, have to hold your arm so you don't get a sore back and a sore shoulder. Uh, and by the time you are sent home, which is usually within a matter of days, if it is not the same day, um, you then are on your own. And you might have read all sorts of books about how to look after a baby, but doing it is another matter altogether. And we don't live in extended families anymore. Um, You have to figure out things between you and your husband, and he is just as smart as you are. He knows nothing about babies. (laughs) So there you go. And then you inevitably fall into patterns that you, the only patterns you know, and that is the way you have been brought up. And that can be quite disastrous. Um, But then at the best of times, you just muddle along anyway. So it's, and I have missed that. I even have missed that when I had my children and I didn't have any of my family here because I don't. Uh, I wasn't born and bred in Australia. I had my um, mother-in-law to rely on for a start because we lived in the same town. <laughs> and oh, dear. She was, she was but she told me that her children were all potty trained by <laughs> by three months. Uh, and what? Thought, well, that that is absolute rubbish because I. <laughs> Babysitting kids, and I know they are not potty trained by three months. You, they probably trained you, but not the other way around. Um, so I, I realized that I just had to had to rely on my own wits most of the time. And um, I can't have been doing too bad of a job because I did not have the same problem as my girlfriends had with their children, except that I didn't quite know why it worked. And it was not until I did the Montessori um, course and I read Montessori's first book called um, Child in a Family that I thought, oh, that is how it works. Because she was, of course, a doctor, a medical doctor in the first place and then became a pediatrician and then an anthropologist. And, and, and her her education has been as quirky as anybody's and but I could completely follow follow her really and her way of thinking so um that was really um very helpful and, and all of a sudden you had an understanding of why the things you were doing were working i i really like that i i had read that you were highly influenced by Montessori and her work. And you're right, she was quite an extraordinary person. And her education, I mean, engineering, who would think that someone who was who had an engineering degree, who was a medical doctor, would be involved in education? And yet, all of those different insights that she gathered from all of those different professions 
just came yeah. together and coalesced so perfectly. Yeah, and, and you can see it in the way she has adapted material because she has not necessarily designed all the materials that are used. She has adapted them from other educators. But you can see that she's a problem solver. Mm-hmm. And that is typical engineering mind. You know, engineers are not going to philosophize about, now, what would be the best way to uh, to build something across this river so I can get to the other side? <laughs> and months later, they are still thinking about it. An engineer is just working out what needs to be done. And you can see that she, in her approach to children, did the same thing. But And there, were, there are two things that really struck me um, in what I learned from her, from Maria Montessori, and that is that treat the child as if he is already the well-worth human being that you want him to be, number one. And the, and the other one is that uh, there, there isn't a method. There is just the child. So observe first and loving a child is not a prerequisite. I mean, it, it will come when you pay attention and you observe. And the more you know about your object or your subject, the more you come to appreciate it. And then suddenly you find you are actually loving it so much so that, you know, it hurts. And, and I have said this to parents who clearly did not really quite know whether they loved the child or not, or they just, depending on their own background, they didn't know what am I supposed to feel. And, I mean, of course, they wouldn't say, they wouldn't ask these questions in a group, but they would stay behind and, and, and come with these um, questions. And I would say, don't worry about it. Just pay attention and observe your child and see what, what she needs and attend to that. And when you attend to this helpless human being, you will come to know it. And the better you come to know it, you will find that you start loving it. And then you don't even know when it started. And it feels as if you've always loved it. And I found that it was very reassuring for parents to know that, that they, because loving it, loving your child is, I mean, for most people, the minute you have born a child, you, you, you have that feeling of protection and overwhelming emotion. But it's not necessarily for all people like that, but they shouldn't worry because um, it will come if you just give it some time. Um, um, again, depending on the parent's background, sometimes you have to start at a point that is easy for you and so easy that you think that that can't be this can't be the task that I'm supposed to do, but that is exactly where you should start. Do something that is so easy you know you can do it, and I, then you take a little bit further and a little bit further. I liked what you said about the role of grandparents. This is because they have a very different perspective than the parents do. Yeah, yeah, because grandparents have done it all, seen it all, and by that time and at that age, you also have the patience, and you know what you're looking at, and you know what not to worry about, and, and what to pay attention to, whereas when you are a parent, you, you, um, uh, when you are the husband, you feel so responsible for your wife and your child that you can't think of anything else, 
And when you are the mother, you feel so responsible for that little baby that you can't think of anything else. But you both have to work at making a living as well. And so how do you do that? And there are bills to pay. And there is a house to clean. And this is to be done. And, and, and laundry to be hung up. And, you know, all those things. And it is, it is a lot. Where it's just a lot. And um, because it has been done for millions of years doesn't mean that every new parent... Um, has been born with the book of directions already stamped into the head. No, you have to start from scratch every time. And probably, I am now at an age that I can say that, probably that's the whole purpose of it. Because you only learn from experience and awareness is only being um, kindled and and uh, blown into a blazing fire by doing it, not by reading about it. Would you like to give an an example of how the book sounds? Would you like to do a reading so that our listeners can hear some of the the actual words in the book? I'd like that. I can do then that scenario. Um, It's chapter one, paying attention. Oh, I love this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, here it is. Here it comes. Scenario one. Lynn comes to the playgroup with her 16-month-old toddler, Chelsea. Chelsea wanders through the room and is attracted by the painting easel with a sheet of paper clipped on and ready to use. The child grabs a brush from one of the pots of paint on a tray underneath and jabs the paper with the brush. Her mother stops her in her tracks. What do you want to do today? Do you want, you want to play with the farm animals? No. Um, um, you want to play at the sink? The child turns. Lynn says, no, no, not now. You'll get wet. Oh, um, you want to paint? Okay, let's put a smock on you first. Mom holds Chelsea away from the easel and takes a smock off the hook with her other hand. There, now you can paint and you won't get dirty. Red, why don't you use yellow? Make a painting for Daddy. No, no, not outside the paper. Lynn grabs the child's hand and guides it towards the middle of the paper. Here, on the paper. All the while, little Chelsea has barely moved from where she's standing. When a grown-up keeps prattling on, most of what is said becomes background noise. By the time the child has acquired verbal language, she has also learned to tune out most of it. Chelsea is 16 months old. She is still walking with a typical toddler gait, with a slight sway from side to side. She has not yet acquired verbal language as a means of communication and is still very much discovering her physical environment the things around her and what she can do with them. It is worth remembering that children under three learn most from what they see. It's therefore advisable to show show children first how something is done or used, back it up with the language, and then sit back and observe. For example, how does your child hold an item? How much of the demonstration was retained? It takes an adult on average about three weeks of intensive practice to retain new information. With patience, clear demonstration, and a friendly voice, a child often learns much quicker than that. See, I just love that. And one of the things that you have done that I think is so good with a book like this is that your descriptive language is so good that... I'm standing right there in the room with Chelsea and her mom, and I'm watching what the mother is doing with the child. And I think that 
if I were a parent of a small child, that's what I would need to do. I would need to be able to see myself in that room and how I would react with my own child and see the image of what's going on with Chelsea and then think, all right, how should I do this differently? Yeah, yeah. I think it is because I have lived in a few countries and was surrounded by a language other than my own. Ah. And so that's how I had to function. And if every little child starts off by just observing and looking how things are done, I had to do this for a long time, um, even as an adult, even as a young adult until I had, and especially after I came to Australia, when I eventually mastered the language enough that I would dream in that language. Um, So I have never quite lost that um, skill of observing and just figuring out why people do the way they do and then thinking, ah, okay, that's how you do it. Oh, that's why you do it. All right. And... So I did it exactly with the little children. I would, I didn't know them. A child would come through my door and I thought with every child, I would think that, that that child has got something to offer me that I have to learn from or of or about. And I have got something to offer to this child and what it will be that only time will tell. It will only come out in our interaction. So... I was only thinking about it when a friend asked me, but Frauke, what do you do when you get a child you don't like? And it came as such a surprise. It was almost like a stab, that question, because it had never occurred to me that I wouldn't like that child. That wasn't the point. It wasn't about liking a child. It was about you and I are here put together and it's something that we have to do and that we have to give each other, but I don't know what it is. We just have to figure it out. And that is where, again, the Montessori influence comes in because I was the adult. It was up to me to prepare and create the environment in which this child hopefully wanted to be. And I was the one who would set the atmosphere and, and the routine. I, had to, I was the one who set the framework. And if I got that framework right, then that child would be at ease and we could figure out what it was that we had to learn from each other and have fun in the meantime and and just have, well, that is where love started, really, because you can't help but then just love the child. But it never started off thinking that as, that is what I had to do because how do you do it if you don't know how to do it? I love what you just said. I I really think that that's so important because I think you're absolutely right. I, how can you know? It, a child walks into a room, a child you don't like? What do you mean you don't like a child? I mean, that's, I, I can't imagine. I, I'm right there with you. You know, you and I have talked and told some stories and we could talk for a, an hour. Frauke, you know how much I love the book and I know that our listeners are becoming very, very interested, especially if they have small children. So I need to tell them where they can find the book. And I want to first talk about Amazon. 
it's so easy to do on Amazon. Just go to the Amazon website and let me give you the name of Frocky's book and do the drop-down menu before you, you do anything. There's a on the left-hand side of the, the box where you put in the information. Just drop down that menu and click on Books. Here's what you put in the, the big gray box there that is the search feature. The title of the book is How to Hold a Glue Stick, G-L-U-E-S-T-I-C-K, colon, and other clues to parenting. Now, Frauke's first name is spelled differently than you might think, so listen carefully. F-R-O-U-K-J-E. Let me do that one more time. Frauke is F-R-O-U-K-J-E. Last name is Matthews. M-A-T-T-H-E-W-S. Enter that in the search box. Click on it, and the book will come right up. And you will see the adorable cover art that she and I talked about, and you heard the story about how that came into being. In the upper right-hand corner, you'll see a couple of words in that representation of the title. Open here. Put your put your cursor on that, click on it, and you'll be able to read about the first three chapters, and you'll see what, what an inviting style Frauke has written this book in and how she doesn't lecture you. She simply talks to you about how to make things work smoothly and easier with your child. And it's just terrific. There are some great stories. She's such a good storyteller. Now, Frauke, you and I both know that sometimes people would like to buy books from another place besides Amazon. Oh, is there a difference in Amazon Australia and Amazon here in the U.S. Is there a difference with the ordering? Uh, I don't think so, except that if you want to order it from the States, you probably would say um, uh, Amazon.com. But if you are living in Australia and you say Amazon.com.au, you will it will be printed and you get it from Australia and might well be cheaper. Oh, uh, and rather. faster. Yeah. 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 Now, is there somewhere else if they would like if they don't want to buy from Amazon because that they're the huge bookseller? Often people like to buy from smaller organizations. Where else could they find the book? They can also get it from the uh, printer itself, or the publisher. I mean, uh, www.balboapress.com.au. Balboapress.com again. That is the the, the world uh, and mainly U.S. based and. .com.au is the Australia-based, but the um, way of ordering it would be the same. Uh, and also, I have got a Facebook page called Parenting Clues on Facebook, and I have only just started it, so there is not much on it, but uh, in probably about six to eight weeks, my website will be finished. And I will put all the information of the website on my Facebook page, and you can order the book directly from me. Oh, that's um, great. Will you uh, autograph it? Yes, yes, I can. Yeah, I will. I will. If if it is uh, directly ordered from me, it will be uh, cheaper for a start, and I can autograph it, yes. Well, I just think that this is 
a book that parents, grandparents, anyone who is dealing with small children should read. It's just, it's so well written. Your stories are so right on point. And the ideas that you have in the book are just things that are common sense. But if I don't know to think that way, then it, common sense is not so common. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, it does. Because I, too, had been... Um, um, it had to be told to me, too. The one thing, for instance, and it is so simple, but it is so important. What I learned was that if, for instance, if you are right-handed and you want to show a little child or anyone, for that matter, what your hands are doing, have that person sit on your left-hand side so they have a clear view of your hand and what your fingers are doing and how you are holding whatever it is you have in your hand. If that person sits on the other side, they look against the back of your hand and they have to almost guess what you're doing. You're absolutely right. That's so simple, but not but, something... It's not intuitive. It's not something... Even if you want to show your grandma how the keyboard works of your computer and which button she has to, to tap and you are right-handed, have her sit on your left-hand side so she can see what you, and do it slowly, and you will find that you have a very willing student. Frauke, you're just terrific. This has just been so much fun. When our listeners become readers and they, they buy a copy, now you classify this as a pocketbook. It's not something that's huge. It's a, it's a small book. When they buy this book, this is not a book that someone would sit down and they would just read cover to cover. This is a book that you would sit down, perhaps you start with the first chapter and you read it and you think about it. You think about the ideas and you, you apply the ideas. And then you perhaps skip down and skip four chapters and you read chapter six and, and you think, okay, I like these ideas and you apply those ideas. The book is not meant to be read sequentially. It's meant to be read whenever someone wants to read it. I think it's yes. something that somebody will go back to again and again and again. But as with all books, they will read the last page of the last chapter. When they close that back cover, whether it's an electronic version or a physical version, for the last time in that, that particular setting, what is the bottom line message that you want to leave this reader with about this book, this wonderful book? I would like the reader to come away with a feeling that they know how to start with just little things in and around the house with your child. I had this book printed for my preschool parents 10 years ago. And the reason I now um, had it published worldwide was because of the COVID situation. And especially when I heard about terrorist parents <laughs> in the United States. And I thought, oh, no, parents are not terrorists. They are just protecting their child. And um, But I thought parents will have a hard time when they are trying to homeschool and and they have always relied on schools to, to know how to do the, the right thing by that child. And uh, you always start with the little ones. So what I want the reader to come away with is 
Here is a little booklet just with stories as if you are with me at the preschool and you can watch me work with your child and it is actually very simple because you will say, oh, I can do that. I've got a kitchen like that. I've got lots. I love it. Your approach, you are delightful. It has been such an absolute pleasure to talk with you today. Thank you so much for sharing how to hold a glue stick with us today. (laughs) Thank you. It was my pleasure, and it was a delight talking to you. We must have a coffee one day. I couldn't agree more. Please remember that you can find Fruki Matthews' book, How to Hold a Glue Stick and Other Clues to Parenting on Amazon and on Balboa Press. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Suzanne Harris, and I so hope you'll join me for my next Books on Air podcast because remember... You never know who's going to be here, and you never know what we're going to talk about. Thank you so very much for listening.